Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Throwing Up Bricks podcast, episode 27. We're still doing this. As always, I'm joined by Jake over there. I am Jared, and Jerome's back once again. Hey yo. What's up, guys? Hey yo. I'm hey, yo. Oh, All right. Now we're just directly popping no dunks, which is weird. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2012, in the last game of the 2012 season, the Golden State Warriors started five rookies under Mark Jackson as head coach. Clay Thompson, Charles Jenkins, Chris Wright, Jeremy Taylor, and Mikkel Gladness. So four of them are most likely not in the league and weren't in it for very long, and one of them is now a three-time champion. The process works. Trust the process. It's Mikkel Gladness, right? He's the three-time champion. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think I saw him on on some of those teams. Yeah, I think sure. he's the poor man's Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if he's in the NBA, probably the rich man's. But uh... <laughs> ouch, burn on Malcolm Gladwell. I guess that's how we're starting the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I had to mute there for a second because I was still chewing my last bagel bite. But uh, not, not bagel bites as in the microwavable things, but the last bite of my bagel sandwich. Okay, whatever. This is a horrible <laughs> start to the podcast. Uh, we have that a lot of bad original talk one. About. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the alarm clock. Oh god. Okay. Um, yeah, we got a lot of basketball to talk about. We got two Laker games, and we got uh, one of the Miami Celtics series games. Um, so before we get into it, though, let's do housekeeping. Jake, would you do the honors? housekeeping thank you as always if you want to reach out to us you can do so at email throwing up bricks jj at gmail.com that is throwing up bricks jj at gmail.com jake where can they find us podbean apple podcast <laughs> google podcast amazon alexa uh, tune in i got them all this time right spotify spotify all right yeah yeah i'm working, the black market. I'm working on it <laughs> we're working on it we're working on it all right uh, yeah, we got a lot of games. So let's just jump into it so we can keep this uh, streamlined episode again. Uh, let's hit it. All right. I just did one for you, Jake. Are you happy? You. Are you happy? happy? You made my week. Okay, good. Never again. Um, all right. Let's jump right into the Celtics Heat series. Um, since there's just one of those games, we'll, we'll talk about it quickly here, I think, because, uh, well, there was some serious implications. The Heat... Lost to the Celtics finally. So the Celtics have brought the series to a 2-1 total. Um, they beat the Heat 117-106. to And uh, what were you guys' takeaways from this game? Who, what stood out to you? Well, I mean, obviously, return of Gordon Hayward is huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. It just, he, you, you look at his, his uh, you know, final line, like, you know, six points. Um, did have a couple, ste- like three steals, four assists. So he did a little bit of everything. But you say, well, he didn't do too much scoring. But what he brings to this team is just it's 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 outside the box the box score, like because um, essentially you have Tatum Brown and Hayward who are defensively at least essentially interchangeable, and that really takes off a, some defensive load on Tatum and Brown, and they can just do a little bit more scoring. And you saw like Brown went off sixty four percent from the field, twenty six points. I mean, just uh, w- what a game right there. Um, and you know, and Hayward also brings a little bit of playmaking, you know, he can drive it a little bit, which is huge, um, against, you know, a a Miami team that has so good defensively, the more, uh, points of attack you have, the better it is. Um, and then another, another huge thing I think was, um, the way Marcus Smart played, um, 
as he's been scoring pretty well, but the way he scored between game two and game three was different. Um, game two, he, he took six threes. threes yeah. um, this game, he only took two threes, but he had 10 free throw attempts. Yeah, he, he really, was going you know, get into the hole. Um, and that kind of uh, was a, like a microcosm of the Celtics in general. I think they had 46 points in the paint in game three versus like 20 something in game two. And I mean, that's huge. Like, I think a lot of times they can kind of get into a mode of falling in love with that three ball. And that's playing right into the hands of the, of the Miami Heat zone. Like, hey, take as many threes as you want. We're, you know, that, that we're ready for that. But they're really attacking, cutting a little bit more. And, um, you know, I think the way they played was, I think this is pretty sustainable. Like, you're not just relying on the threes going in. I think that's huge. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I, I think the, the Hayward coming back does give them a switchability. And just, I mean, with Hayward back, I don't think any team, even the Clippers, are that deep at the wing. Well, yeah. they have three yeah. guys that can just switch in and out. And and Hayward didn't play amazing in his first game back, right? But just his presence alone gives them a, a lineup versatility that Brad Stevens is is probably they, like, thank God I don't have to play all these bench scrub guys yeah. that I've been, <laughs> I've been reverting to. Like, I can play Grant Williams when I want to. I can play Wanamaker when I want to. Yeah. Um, Jake, what about you? Did you have more to say on the Celtics side or are you looking at the Heat this game? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, just to agree with you guys, what you guys said, Hayward at this point in his career, isn't like the all-star go-to guy. He, the way I see him is he's like a flavor enhancer is he just makes mm. everybody slightly better and makes their job slightly easier, which is, Ooh, I like which that. is yeah. uh, spot on for what you guys said, just what he brings to the floor. And then, flavor. um, it's the defensive end for me was, uh, the heat really have, consistently been able to score over 100 points hit their threes get good production out of uh, Drogic and and and, and three-pointers from other guys uh, but this was not that game uh, the celtics wing depth like you said it, it maybe it gave them a little more energy per possession so they could rotate better um, there was i mean watching a couple four or five minute stints where the, the heat didn't get a good look really a, a wide open three it was a lot yeah. of forced shots at the end of the shot clock and you can see in the box score, Hero had to take uh, a, a bunch of shots just because he was 18, the only one that was yeah. able to kind of create his own look. Um, and for me, it's it's Jimmy Butler needs to adjust. He has it's been working his his system of, of getting people involved and then taking over in the fourth. But I think when he sees things going south, when he sees them down by double digits and people aren't creating, he needs to take over and be more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He needs to engage superstar mode a little sooner when that's happening when everybody's cold around him. Um, and, and Dragic, you know, he didn't play great in this game no. and he had been their offensive engine in the, you know, the Jimmy less span where, where Jimmy's a little more passive. It, it's really Dragic has been driving the train here. And he was, uh, he was horrible from the field. He was two of 10 from the field, one of five from three. He got to the line seven times and made six of them. So that was nice, I guess, but he only ended up with 11 points and five assists and he was a minus 29 in the game, uh, a team low minus 29. So I, I think that for me just goes to show how important the dragon is to their success. If he's cooking, they have a real shot at, at down in Celtics team. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. kind of made them a contender. I mean, they've been a good team all year and, and blah, 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 but his performance has made them deadly. That yeah. he has. Yeah. He, he's yeah, been their yeah. X factor, I guess. If, you know, if you just want to quote the classic line, um, yeah, but overall, the Heat just shot poorly, too, as yeah. a team. And you mentioned that, Jake. Tyler Hero had to go and hunt shots because no one else could really create, and Jimmy wasn't stepping up into that void necessarily. Um, Bam had a huge game. Like, he stepped up 27 and 16 rebounds. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was hooping. Yeah. Just stepped yeah. up. But 
he only had one assist and i think that's a function of they just couldn't shoot today nope. like the rest of their team just could yeah. not knock down shots so you know maybe it's just a bad game i don't know what you guys think about this uh impact on the series as a whole we we did discuss how haber coming back is them a new dimension the celtics um and maybe that is, you know, something that'll bear fruit because there's a giant gap. I don't know if, if listeners know the NBA pushed back the next game, game four of this series uh, to Wednesday. So they will have not played for four days, if I'm doing that math correctly, uh, by the time they pick it up. And they did so to keep it more in line with the Western series. Um, not that I think they really needed to because the Lakers seem to be taking care of business quite nicely. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they did move it back. So I. I'm wondering how that affects the series. We talked about a little bit before the pod, Jerome, Jake. Um, what do you guys think, or who, which team do you think benefits the most from this this large extended gap between games three and four? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always tough to kind of think, is it the you team ahead, that just lost? Is it the team that just won? Um, well, that will be affected more because they don't get to ride their momentum. And yeah, I'm really not sure. I think uh-huh. it really depends on if Gordon Hayward needs more rest. Like if he if he came back maybe a little a, a hair too early, um, then it'll probably favor Boston. Um, otherwise, I think it probably favors Miami. If 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 Hayward's as healthy as he's going to be, I think it probably favors Miami. Can, you know, give them some time, lick their wounds, uh, come up with a new plan uh, to deal with Hayward. Yeah. yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal for either of them. I think that. Both the games Miami won, games one and two, were extremely close. And I think the Celtics are kicking themselves like, you know, now we're down in the series when clearly I think we're the better team. So I just mm-hmm. think Miami needs to, to whatever game plan they have to do to, 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 to change up their offense, to uh, apply that zone again, maybe whatever they need to do to gain an edge over the Celtics because they need to win this game. They can't let the series get tied because the Celtics are kind of hitting their stride. I think the Nuggets yeah. are the team that need a break. <laughs> Yeah, that's something we haven't talked about, how like the Celtics could easily be up 3-0 in this series, right? Yeah. Had a few balls bounced a different way. Um, Yep. yep. Because those first two games were so close, like you said. And uh, so, yeah, they've got to be kicking themselves if they didn't take either of those, because if they had um, taken one or even both of those, this would be a completely different series in in terms of like momentum, right? But I'm with you, Jake. I think game four is is weirdly pivotal for the Miami Heat, because if they allow this series to get tied up, I think the Celtics are too talented to allow them this much breathing room. Like yeah. you, you yeah, got to cool. put them away while you can. Two, two whole new series. Right. Versus three, one, you know, right. Much, much different series at that point. Yeah. So I think it's pivotal, you know, normally game fives are pivotal, but I, I'm saying game four is pivotal today. So yeah, they, they um, really need to figure out how to get Dragic going again. Yeah, they yeah. do. That that is key for the off. Heat, and and maybe Jimmy just needs to start taking over because he really hasn't had a takeover game yet. So, yeah. or, I mean, for the whole game. Yeah, He's done exactly. It he takes over game, every right? fourth quarter, but uh, yeah. I think yeah, uh, I'm not too worried about the Heat. I think it'll be a fantastic game. I don't think they're going to get you know dominated again like they did this game. But yeah, um, this is going to be probably the most important game of the season for both these teams. Oh yeah, yeah, probably. All right, well, let, let's move on. So that we're looking forward to that on, on Wednesday. Yeah, four. that'll be fun. Um, let's move on to the Lakers-Nuggets series for which Holy! we have two games in the book. <laughs> yeah, AD, AD channeling Kobe there for a last-second shot in game two. But to, to recap the series for our listeners, uh, the Lakers took the first game and the second game. The first game they won pretty handily, I would say. Maybe yeah. that's an understatement. The The final score is 126-114, and that's way closer than the game actually yeah. was. I mean, they, um, they were just in control that whole time of game one. They were in control from start to finish. Um, 
yeah, the Lakers were up, I think, like 26 <clears throat> points at one point was was what yeah. they pushed it yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, because so. Denver like did the scrub comeback with 35 to 23 in the fourth yeah, quarter. made the score but, you know, more respectable. Um, no one was really in at that point. Yeah, no one wasn't at that point. So uh, game two, much, much closer. Uh, came yeah. down to a last second Anthony Davis three. And he, he beat the he hit the buzzer beating three to to win the game for them. Um, and that's a real buzzer beater. That's a you don't make that we lose. You make that yeah. we win. That's a buzzer beater. So take that, yeah. Paul George. That's how you do it. Um, <laughs> still getting shots at Paul George. Series later. <laughs> got him. never stop. Got to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a much different game. The Denver Nuggets fought really, really hard in game two, and it, I was sweating bullets at the end there. Yeah. Uh, classic so Nuggets game blow. from the way Cla- they yeah. exactly. uh, Classic. Classic. In a hole early, and they came back. So yeah. what are your guys' main takeaways from games one and two? For me, it was the bully ball in game one, and then the, the Nuggets coming back with the punches in game two. But uh, what about Yeah, you I mean, they're, to- they're two totally different games, kind of in terms of narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, my takeaway from game one was we got the third star Rondo, playoff Rondo, that we needed. Uh, mm-hmm. He was he was phenomenal. This game was one, another yeah. crazy yeah. good game from him. Uh, he just takes the load off of LeBron in terms of pure playmaking, so LeBron could just you know play in the flow of the offense and not have to create for other people. He can just let that come to him, and it it shows in the stat sheet. He had twelve assists, uh, which were pretty easy assists for him because he didn't have to break down the defense essentially. Uh, and then Davis getting to the line like usual. It was just the perfect Lakers game if they could channel this they're the best team in the NBA. Can I, can I interject like on the topic of Rondo while we're still on it? Like Uh we know he has highs and lows and we saw the lows in game two for sure. Right. With the crazy passes that he didn't need to make and the mistakes and whatever, but is he kind of weirdly the perfect compliment playmaking wise to LeBron because he can like fully take over the game and run the offense when LeBron goes to the the bench. Right. And he's, you know, he's in the stage of his career where he's, he shouldn't really be playing like 35 minutes a game. He should probably be playing more like 25 to 30. Yeah. And so he can really just play that role where he takes the ball handling and the playmaking when LeBron sits. Um, and so is he kind of like just the perfect compliment to that because he plays LeBron esque almost, you know, super Mm -hmm. ball dominant, and and can see the floor and can see things before they happen when, when he's playing as good Rondo playoff Rondo right so I don't know is he the perfect compliment we've never really seen it except for this playoff series because last year obviously they didn't make it to the playoffs and it was regular mm-hmm. season Rondo um, I don't know is he the he seems kind of a perfect compliment to me yeah uh, I, I mean I think so especially if he's you know locked in engaged on defense as well um, you always need that that secondary ball handler like the reliable guy. Um, cause I mean, just think about back to his Cleveland days. Um, at, like every time he went to the bench, the Warriors would go on a crazy run in the finals. Exactly. Um, and like, they'd be in it, they'd be in it and then go to the bench for like a minute. And then it's like a 12 point game all of a sudden. And that's cause they, they just had nothing on offense when LeBron's off the court. So you really need that guy. And you know, all the experience Rondo has, like, I don't know if there's anyone better. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and his, Sorry, go ahead, Jake. Uh, the other pieces are there. When LeBron and maybe AD are both on the bench, we have Kuzma who can score. We have uh, quote unquote shooters. You know, we have big guys that can do a pick and well, roll yeah. catch lobs. <laughs> and the 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 reason we were struggling so much with those guys on the bench is because we didn't have playoff Rondo to to get the ball to the those offense. guys in yeah. the spots to score. He might be the best lob thrower I've seen 
especially during this couple series, his his ability to see the play develop and get somebody a dunk and an easy layup, somebody like yeah. Dwight who doesn't have an offensive move in his bag. Um, yeah, it just elevates <laughs> and something, them. And something just as simple as an entry pass. Like we yeah. had nobody who could get the ball yeah. to AD until yeah. Rondo was healthy. Exactly. Like, and and it's, that's a it's, huge problem. It's also huge that he had already played with Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In at the, with the Pelicans, like so, he had he had already built up that chemistry. Um, and you see and it like, after the game in the remarks that that AD has right after mm-hmm. the game. He talks about Doe, which is what he calls him, which is an interesting mm-hmm. name for Rondo. I guess he's yeah, just Doe. Doe. He's Doe man. Um, but <laughs> he, he talked about his his tutelage, right, and his coaching and his words mm-hmm. of encouragement mm-hmm. all the way back. And he referenced the Pelicans days, so yeah. clearly he has a connection with Rondo that he loves. And as a selfish Lakers fan, I think we should keep Rondo. Uh, you know. Despite yeah. uh, independent of all these good things of Rondo, we should keep him alone for the AD connection. So we keep AD, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For, for me, the takeaways from all, from all of this, uh, from game one and game two. So game one, it's really a, around Jokic game one. He was just looked really uncomfortable. He couldn't really, you know, get anything going with the way the Lakers were playing him. Like just like they kept switching every, every ball screen basically. And Dwight. Um, and Dwight and yeah, dealing with Dwight, like it's a, it's a totally different look from what he was getting from uh, the Clippers. However, especially in the fourth quarter of game two, he looked extremely comfortable. And I think that could oh, be yeah. something that's, that, that I think as you, you guys as Laker fans, I, I think that's something that you're probably, you guys are probably worried about there. It's very scary for me how, how that second game closed uh, because you're right. Jokic looked very comfortable at the end of that game. He he realized that he is just too big and he yeah. weighs too much for AD to handle, right? Like mm-hmm. AD can't really stand him up well. Um, like AD's long and he's an amazing defender. Um, and he, he was having his way with Jokic for most of the series and, and mm-hmm. honestly has for most of the regular season. But that fourth quarter, he was going at eight. Like in particular, that one shot to close uh, the maybe like the third possession, I think, or third to last possession in the game um, where he just straight backed AD in from the three point. That was the second to, the to last one. Yeah, yeah. And made the layup over him, the little yeah. hook shot. And it was yeah. like AD can't do anything. He just can't yeah. stop the guy from bullying his way in here. And if we don't yeah. send a double. I mean, if we send a double, Jokic makes a perfect pass. If we yeah. don't send a double, he just does this and bullies yeah, AD into the tough. rim. It's tough. It's a pick your poison type thing. I exactly. Think so that was scary. Especially yeah, if you're doubling at that point where his back, his back's to the basket, he can see everyone. He can see mm-hmm. the whole floor. Like it's too late. It's way too late. I, I don't know if it was Michael Malone or or Jokic that that altered his playing style because I think at game one he was trying to play this team like the Clippers and they're not yeah. We're longer. Yeah. We're bigger. We have post guys. More. So it's yeah. harder for him to get those cutters in the paint because you have AD guarding you and then Dwight Howard clogging the lane. It's, it's yeah, not hands everywhere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So in game two, he looked way more aggressive for his own shot and more yeah. perimeter oriented. He was looking for to find shooters instead of looking for the divers. Um, yeah. And then he would, he caught the ball a lot lower in game two. It looked like, Instead of starting at the top of the key a lot or at the three-point line and creating from there, he was getting in the paint and then either hitting those shots over someone or forcing a pseudo double team. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he just he just had a new aggressiveness to him in game two, and that was terrifying as a Lakers fan. Um, yeah. Because I, I think you know aggressive Jokic can beat us in ways that passive Jokic can't. Um, and we saw a lot of passive Jokic in game one, and I'm going to give a lot of credit to Dwight 
because he just straight up bully balled him. Like you could see the frustration that Dwight had from not playing in that rocket series, just come yeah. out on the floor in game one. And normally that's kind of a bad thing. Cause he's like a bull in a China shop and he just knocks everybody <laughs> over and gets a bunch of fouls. But I thought it actually served our purposes really well. Cause he, he kind of like cowed Nikola Jokic in game one, you know, he, mm-hmm. he bullied him so hard that Jokic kind of just retreated into a shell. Yeah. Um, and he was pushing him all over the place. He was fouling him hard. He was bullying, getting rebounds over him, yelling at him, you know, taking little jabs here and there at Jokic. Like, I kind of like that frustrating angle that he's taken. The problem is I think Jokic kind of turned it around on him in yeah. the end, of, in the second half of game two, right? Like he found yeah. ways to get Dwight fouls and to get to the free throw line easily. Yeah, he, um, he's so clever. He's so cr- crafty. He yeah. You, he's know, so you, get, crafty. you get, you get too physical with him. You know, he's going to find a way to draw that foul. Exactly. I mean, Jokic went to the line 12 times in game two, uh, as opposed to just the seven times in game one. So he, he certainly figured out. it out. Almost yeah. Howard almost found out, correct. So I, while I liked the aggressiveness from the start, I think now is the time to switch tactics and, yeah. and go a little bit less bull in China shop Dwight and more um, AD and even JaVale, because I think JaVale has done a decent job defensively and we just haven't tapped into that as much with Dwight uh, giving us good minutes. So um, yeah, but we kind of think- buried the lead because AD, man. Yeah. Are oh, you kidding me? AD, what a shot. The end of game yeah. two hits the buzzer beating three to win the game for the Lakers. He had another uh, 31 points in this one after 37 in game one. Yeah. The dude is cooking um, yeah. and there's no one who can stop him. Like Jokic, yeah. as much as we just discussed, like the problems Jokic gives us defensively, the Lakers, um, he cannot guard AD. Like AD yeah. is just too, no one could guard AD. Like he's just, he's too fast or he's too big. Well, he's too long. Like he's just too skilled. He's good. Like, I would I be really interested I'll to take, see what, uh, good. Bam, what Bam could do against AD. I think that that yeah. would be a real cool finals matchup. Yeah, I agree. That. that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, outside of like him and like Giannis, like there's not really, and maybe Durant, if he's healthy, you know, there's not really a lot of guys, but he's stronger than Durant. Like it's, it's really, it's really tough. Uh, I mean, no one can really match up against him. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, he's just so hard to check, like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the Bam matchup, if they got that far, that would be interesting. I agree. Um, yeah. Because Bam's so strong. Um, but he's just giving up so much length to AD. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real quickly, um, obviously, we should probably talk about this, what this has for AD's legacy, this shot. Uh, but, yeah. but to put that all on the back burner, well, <laughs> what an awful defensive possession for the Nuggets. Yeah. What was I mean, Mason oh, Plumlee yeah. thinking? I don't know. I mean, I give uh, props to Joker. I mean, despite all that, he was able to get the probably the best contest you possibly could. So it's not taken oh, yeah. away from AD. He still hit the shot with a hand in his face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. He, that was a great recovery for but someone who's you know, considered slow-footed. Exactly. Yeah. And before the pod, I was looking at some footage, and uh, somebody had a camera angle from before the possession, and I think it was Grant who's guarding LeBron. He's LeBron, talking yeah. to Plumlee and telling him, help on LeBron. Because they know the play is going to LeBron, so he's mm-hmm. telling him, "Help me here." So when the screen comes, Plumlee is assuming that they need to double, and that if the ball is not going to come there, Jeremy's going to go out, which he doesn't do. So I don't think that all the blame needs to go on Plumlee. I just think it's horrible yeah, communication. But it's just—it wasn't even a screen, though. Like no, he, was, he just stood there. He was way he was so <laughs> far away. Like he could have just stayed with AD. Like exactly. it wasn't. It, it's just so yeah. weird that. He had to go out of his way to run to LeBron and then tell Jeremy Grant to go to, you know, to, to, to go to, to Davis. It's like, it's just it's so bizarre. He just, I think it, he must have just misread the play. He must have just misread it. 
He he definitely did, and I'm not going to take you know they definitely made mistakes, but that's also yeah. just the gravity of LeBron. Like yeah, that's right? true. I mean, think about it. They were so worried he was going to do something that yeah. they doubled him when they did not need. And to. I think it is like, literally gravity because he didn't move an inch on that he whole. Didn't. Play. He just stood there. Like, <laughs> we just got sucked into the LeBron yeah. vortex, and like it looked like his controller so died on 2K. Yeah, <laughs> like uh... like the classic Otto Porter play on defense, where he just sits there while this guy runs halfway around the court to the other right. side. <laughs> Yeah, so like that was amazing, but you're you're sure you're right, guys. Like everything you said is spot on. You know, Plumlee should have rotated with him. He shouldn't have left him. And and the pro- I think the main problem is that Jeremy Grant was never looking at Plumlee on that play. So even though Plumlee's like, go go go, I got LeBron now. Yeah. You, you go out to AD. We switch this or whatever. Like yeah. Grant's not looking at him. He doesn't know he's saying that. Like yeah, but uh, but they're in a bubble. There's no fans there. You can hear everything. You can, but you're so focused on LeBron. That's what I'm saying. The gravity comes into effect because it's like as soon as you're the main defender on LeBron, you have no room in your head for like switching or defensive assignments. You're like, this guy can beat me any second. Like if I give him an inch. So my full focus has to be on him. And so like, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, a little bit of credit. I just think switching on LeBron in that scenario is such a bad call because as soon as you switch, there's going to be some daylight for him to just cut to the basket because you're only down one, right? For sure, um, yeah. It's, so it's, yeah, you, you just and he was in perfect. Grant was in perfect guarding position. He was right in, he was right in front of him between LeBron and the ball. There's not really yeah. any. Uh, it's just and just and if play. Mason Plumlee, weirdly enough, if Mason Plumlee had uh, followed AD out to the perimeter, there's no way he could have like the inbounder could have lobbed it to LeBron over Grant, right? Because that's no. right where Plumlee would have been. He would have been yeah. between LeBron and AD, yeah. and he would have been able to interrupt that yeah. pass. So it actually would have been better defensively, yeah, for guarding like, LeBron if he had yeah, stuck yeah, with AD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a weird play all around. The Nuggets definitely yeah. fumbled their defensive assignments, but AD, what a shot, man! Yeah. What a shot! Like that's going to go down in lore and uh, big plays for the guy who's yeah. in his first conference finals. People don't remember that this yeah. is AD's first conference finals. This is the farthest he's gone. Yeah, I mean, he was with the Pelicans. Yeah. yeah, he was with the Pelicans. And you can't fault like, him for not performing. His stats are have been unbelievable even before he's this shown run. up, man. Yeah. Uh, like we, I, I still think it's so sad that we never got to see the Twin Towers in, uh, yeah. with the Pelicans. That would have been a really interesting playoff run. Just that to Marcus in general. I mean, he. Yeah. you can say what you say about him, but in his prime, he was phenomenal. And to not see him in the playoffs, is, is yeah. it hurts as an NBA fan. Yeah. When I think about us missing that, I think like, that kind of would have stymied this whole small ball thing a little bit longer, right? Because I, I'm, I think that team really could have gone far, that oh, Twin yeah. Towers team. And if they do, that archetype is going to, you know, I mean, the whole league's a copycat league, right? People just yeah. copy what works. So, like, if you have a team with two ginormous skilled bigs, like, winning in the playoffs, that changes the landscape yeah. of the NBA, not mm-hmm. just, you know, how those individual players. Are, <laughs> well, uh, like, well, then again, know. Western Conference Finals right now, you're seeing it. AD, AD and Jokic, they're two you exactly. know, big men yeah. tearing it up. You are, you are, you really are. So maybe it was inevitable. It was Thanos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we move on to game three of the series tomorrow on Tuesday uh, to match us up with the Eastern Conference. What do you guys think going forward is the key? We talked about Jokic. For me, it's a little weird that Murray has gone so under the radar. Like he's had two, he's had 25 in this last game and he had 21 in the first game, but he, he just, he doesn't feel like he's really that dangerous right now. And I don't know. Is that something we can count on going forward? Or is that just we got some quiet Murray games and he's going to explode sooner than, rather than later? Uh, every time he shoots, I'm terrified. I mean, yeah. 
He's 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 looking good to me. He's not getting the volume he was getting just because of how we're playing him, uh, trying to get over screens and force him into to making a play instead of getting a bucket. Um, but the way he's been consistent this series, instead of you know having a terrible games and then blowing up, I think he's just a ticking time bomb. It's at one point if he gets hot, uh, you know, you got to throw the playbook out the window and just try to weather the storm. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I mean. It's kind of going to – I think the series is kind of going to be on the third, fourth, fifth guys for each team because Jokic and Murray are basic and, and LeBron and AD, they're basically neutralizing each other, you know, Points scoring wise, yeah. and, and playmaking-wise. Um, so it's really going to have to be, you know, the Michael Porter Juniors, Jeremy Grants, Paul Millsaps versus, like, the Rondos, Carusos, um, you know, these, these types of guys. Like, these, these third, fourth, fifth guys are going to be huge. And can they get – can the – Lakers get something out of Markeith Morris. He did nothing in game three. Yeah. Yeah. He did nothing in this game um, for sure, but we won anyways. And I'm kind of happy about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, one thing we didn't mention, I mean, there's a lot of things we didn't mention. I don't think we'll get to all of them in this podcast, but one thing we didn't mention was the MPJ Kuz matchup, um, which I think Michael Porter Jr. Handily won that one. He was, oh, yeah. Yeah. he was kind of giving it to the Lakers in this yeah. second game. Um he he poses some problems, and if that yeah. if that young brash kid gets hot, uh, that might be the X factor you're talking about, Jerome, that we're looking yeah. for. Um, so that's for me the the main thing we need to watch out for in Game Three. We, you know, it seems like we can cancel Jokic and Murray out enough to handle them if they're the only guys going for points. Um, yeah. But if guys like Porter Jr., like you said, are going to go for, you know, 15, 20, 25. That's going to pose a, a whole different problem. With the yeah, and deal. if Paul Millsap starts turn, having some turn back the clock games like he did in the uh, in the other LA series, yeah, that could be, that could be tough. Although I will point out that Paul Millsap still over in his career in playoff games against LeBron James, so uh, I'm, oh, I'm wow. feeling pretty good about our chances in this series based on that. Paul Millsap has not won a single playoff game against LeBron James. Look it up. Was that all with Hawks? The Hawks? Mm-hmm. With the Hawks. Yep. Wow. Oh. He was coached by the legendary playoff uh, choker, Mike Budenholzer. Yep, exactly. So, uh, yeah, he's not won a game against LeBron, and I, I'm hoping he never will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're with the uh, you're with the Kendrick Perkins sweep. No, I am not with Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> I, yeah, we could talk about that. We got that on the docket if we're done with this game. Um, Kendrick Perkins came out with some remarks this morning about how he thinks this series is over. He thinks it's done. He thinks it's going to be a sweep. There's no chance that the Nuggets come back. And I am so angry because no one should ever say that about these Nuggets in any series. That's exactly when they turn it around and they start coming back. And I'm he's reverse jinxing us. He's a Celtics to the core. I know what he's doing. I see you, Perk. Yeah. What a it. weird thing to say after a very, very close game like this. Very, very it's, close. If they won by 30 and they're up 2-0, then okay. I could see that because they, they controlled the first game. They blew them out in the second game. Um but it didn't happen like that. They no. were in the game down the stretch. They were poised to win it. And then AD changed that all with, with one big shot. So just a very, very weird timing for a comment like that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't say. But Perk is in the business of just making outlandish remarks to make his name <laughs> in, the, in the reporter game right now. That's so, yeah. what they all do. They, if you really took a, a transcript of every of these big names take from Max Kellerman to – to um, Nick Wright, Alan Callherd, whatever his name is, it would be Man. their record would be like thirty percent win percentage. 
they're wrong yeah. all the time. They're getting paid just to say craps to to to, to draw eyeballs. So yeah, and I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there's a video on YouTube of Skip Bayless arguing against himself. Yes, yeah. because he just said yes. all sides of every argument at one time or another. Another yeah. another good viewing is look up um, Skip Bay, uh, Stephen A. Smith wrong on Eighth Street NBA Finals. <laughs> from from like uh, when LeBron went to Miami, I think, all the way up to to Golden State's first Durant championship, I think. He he got the wrong one every single time. The Mavericks have no chance of stopping yeah. LeBron. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, the Thunder will demolish LeBron James. KD, <laughs> this boy can pull up for 40. <laughs> oh, man. It just shows just shows you. You don't have to be right. You just have to be outlandish. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's yeah, for those sure. people aren't experts at basketball. That is no. the first letter of ESPN, is it not? It is. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Okay, well, uh, another thing we could also talk about: we didn't mention Caruso, which I think is ridiculous. The Caruso was in town in Game Two, oh, like yeah. a big reason why the Lakers ended up winning, um, because the Lakers did have a, a pretty sizable lead in Game Two and kind of blew it mm-hmm. at the end with the turnovers and poor like yeah. stagnant offensive play and stuff we didn't talk about that but caruso was awesome he went up for one jam where he, he caught a body again in this one and he does that from time to time yeah. right um i don't forget who it was minutes but for caruso huge minutes yeah huge minutes for caruso um, plays hard on defense you know great great role player i think he's our best answer defensively for this Jokic murray pick and roll because he's he's our best pick and roll defender i think oh um, yeah he, he He's so good at following the ball handler like over and through and fighting through that screens instead mm-hmm. of just giving up and without fouling. Like he's so good at doing that without fouling the ball handler, which so often happens, right? The ball handler will, will try for like a cheapy James Harden. You're writing me. I'm going to go up and pretend I'm shooting foul. Um, and he's so good at not letting that happen and yeah. just stopping it in its tracks. And I think that's why um, for most of that, that series so far, the Jokic Murray pick and roll hasn't been the, the game changing force that we thought it would be. Uh, and we've seen it to be in the past. So I, I think he's our best defender for that at the point of attack. Um, and then, yeah, if he's doing stuff on the offensive end like this, you know, if he's, he's doing hustle plays, he's getting yeah. jams. He's, he's, he's got, he's got good size too. Six he's five. got good size and yeah. he's got that mind meld with LeBron. So I think he's, yeah. he's been really good in the series. And I think he's going to be key going forward. He's going to have to give us continued good minutes there um, on defense, at least. I think so, we're going to get, have any uh, JR switch sightings at all. I hope no. Not. <laughs> actually no i hope so that. because that'll mean like we're way up and we're yeah. up and, you know. <laughs> get the uh the token four seconds that uh exactly yeah, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. you get you get in the blowout the blowout game i was excited to see jared dudley get some minutes in last game man Woo. that's my you favorite i love when he's big out man, <laughs> big man yeah yeah <laughs> he's the new human victory cigar uh <laughs> uh all right um We've, uh, I guess, last thing on the docket here, if you guys want to talk about all the football injuries. I know we don't really talk oh, about man. other sports, but there was a lot of injuries in the NFL. Uh, it, it's quite terrifying. And yeah. I'm kind of curious what you guys think. Is this a function of them not really having a preseason? Uh, is this the sort of rash of injuries we might see normally in preseason games two and three when we see a lot of injuries normally? Or yeah, I mean, it, do you think it, it's bad luck? It's got to be that. Um, I think, you know, whenever you go to these kind of you know, either strike shortened years from the beginning, like the NBA, like a lot, I think 99, a lot of people were getting injured. I think, uh, you know, what was the last one, 2013, 2012, something like that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of guys were getting injured then too. Like it always happens where 
you don't get your normal prep or like, you know, guys when left to their own devices, a lot of times, like, you know, they're not doing, you know, the things you need to do to, to stay healthy. Cause it's, it, football is such a grind. Like, you know, it, it's such a tough season when you have your off season, some guys, you know, just want to relax, do, do the shack angle. Um, and then, and they need, they rely on those, you know, team, like the OTAs, like all, all those types of things. And those are things that either were, they couldn't happen or they were limited or in a lot limited, of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then this is, this is the result of the, the result of that, where their, their bodies just aren't quite ready um, for that kind of action. Yeah. And yeah. You can't it's mimic full time real live football. It, there's yeah. no substitute for it. So regardless of what training you're doing or, you know, how well they were practicing behind the scenes, you can't prepare yourself for a real snap of a real football game. So unfortunately, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's attributed to that. And just bad luck. It's just bad luck. Those injuries are – there's not really much you can do to prevent them that they're not doing. Yeah, a lot of them are, are soft tissue injuries, you know, ACL yeah. tears, yeah. Uh, pulled groins, stuff like that. Um, so it's yeah. it yeah those are really just bad luck plays right all the I think it's also stuff. it's a function of you know these guys that are it's like the better faster stronger like they're just they're imparting so much force yeah. in ways the human body was not designed to move you know yeah this guy Saquon Barkley he he like cleaned like five hundred pounds or something crazy like or like more than that it was crazy like he cleans what most people like their long term deadlift goal is. And he, just, yeah. and he cleaned it in college. It's ridiculous. Like that's strength that, you know, a running back sh- is not supposed to have. And he's, and yeah. And when you have that much strength going into the ground, it's yeah. All going into his joints and, you know, it takes its toll. Yeah. And our ligaments aren't really meant to, to stabilize that much power. Right. I exactly. think that's the main problem and exactly. why you see so many injuries at this high level. Um, yeah. I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah. To bring it to a baseball angle. Um, like you see a lot of these Tommy John surgeries happening yeah, all the you time. You think, why do they happen so much? It's like everyone's throwing 95 plus. You're not supposed to be able to do that. Um, you know, the, the, it used to be like the guys that maybe had a little bit of a genetic advantage, they could get it up that high. But now it's like, you know, with all the, the, the training and, and um, you know, the techniques that everyone has now, like the, all, all the, you know, all, all that kind of stuff people that maybe their bodies weren't designed to do that. They're able to, to ratchet up, get more out of their body than they're really designed to. And then something's going to, something's got to give. And it's usually like, yeah, the Tommy John surgery is interesting. Cause I correct me if I'm wrong, Jerome, but what they do is they take patellar tendon and they adhere it to your elbow. Yeah, um, I think so. And then it comes back and that it's stronger. That tendon is now stronger than your, your natural elbow ligaments. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. why they come back better after Tommy John surgery a lot than, than they were before. Yeah, sometimes um, it's it's always a risk, but yeah, sometimes especially now surgery techniques getting better, and there are there are cases of some people doing getting the surgery elective, you know, and yeah, uh, because they think it's better, yeah, yeah, which is very interesting. That's very very weird. Um, um, but yeah, it's it's you know the, we're getting to the point where the training is kind of outpacing the human body. Yeah, to a yeah. extent. Pretty soon we'll have cyborgs, although maybe yeah. we already have one in LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And we didn't even talk about LeBron James this whole podcast, you know, which, you know, kudos to us. He, we could just begin also, and end every AD. podcast. And kudos to yeah. AD. Yeah. 
that he I mean, made us talk about him. What sure. more are you going to say? He's the best player on the planet. I mean, he I, does LeBron things. Yeah, he's he LeBron. Does LeBron things. <laughs> yeah, he started game two like a house on fire. I mean, the dude had yeah. 20 points, I think, like midway through the second quarter. So like he was he was aggressive and he was the reason we had such a big lead in game yeah. two. Um, unfortunately, he kind of he took a little bit of a back seat in the second half. Yeah. And that's why our offense went so stagnant. I think. It did look like he went a little bit passive because like I always say with LeBron, like, Go to the cup. Who's going to yeah. stop you, Jokic? He did stop doing that for sure. And yeah. uh, our offense kind of suffered a little bit, as yeah. all LeBron-led offenses do when he kind of takes a back seat because yeah. they're so used to him doing everything. Um, which, do you think you know, he was he was tired? Like, what do you think? What do you think makes him do that? Or like, I, I wonder. Yeah, I think he's pacing himself. That's what he mm-hmm. he knows that they have the upper hand in the series, and he's trying to gauge how much energy he needs to spend here. Mm-hmm. And how much he can afford to save for the next series, because yeah. if I know LeBron James, um, and I don't really know, but if I know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stick to the quote. If I know LeBron James, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna pull Stephen A. Here, he's a good friend of mine. I love him like a brother. But LeBron James, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> yeah, LeBron, that's what he does. You know, he he paces yeah. himself more so than any other superstar I think we've ever seen. He's so yeah. good at gauging when and where and how much energy yeah. he needs to expend. And I think that's what he's doing already. We're seeing that. So, and I think, I if, think if, if he's looking to the, you know, if he's maybe looking past the nuggets a little bit, you know, whether it's Jimmy Butler and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, bam, or if it's, you know, the Celtics, uh, three wing guys, like that's a tough matchup for him. Like they can, they can yeah. throw bodies at him, uh, going forward. Whereas like the nuggets, maybe it's not, you know, they don't really have, those types of defenders like maybe yeah. yeah like jeremy grant's good um but in general like they don't really have anyone so he doesn't really have to put as much to do with lebron things as maybe he will next series if they can and to it. be fair to him like we probably should have pulled that game out a lot easier given what yeah. he gave us in the first half and how much of a lead the lakers were up on the nuggets so very true um but once again classic nuggets classic nuggets they came back you can't you can't leave them alone man you gotta step on them when they're on the ground uh, can't let them get back up. So exciting series still. Uh, oh, yeah. It's not over. It's only a 2-0 lead. We've seen them come back from 3-1 multiple yeah. times already. So yeah, as a basketball fan, it's nice to see a, a close game rather than like, you know, I know as Lakers fans, you want to see four blowouts. Yeah, I want to see four blowouts <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, as a basketball fan, it's nice to see the, those close games. So, you know, hey, nuggets can be nuggets are in this. Yeah, yeah. Make it tough. I'm sure the NBA is happy that the Celtics won one in the other series. They would yeah. not have been stoked about a 3-0 heat yeah. lead for ratings. Um, all right, so that's all the games we had to talk about. Let's uh, end the podcast here at a nice yep. manageable 40-plus. Uh, I don't have anything else to add. Do you guys have any final predictions or words of wisdom or anything you want to get on the record? So it's just, it's just the, the Lakers-Nuggets game three, right? That's the only game that's going to be next. Lakers uh, Nuggets game next, three on Tuesday. Friday. We will record yeah. on Wednesday morning with right. that. Um, so I'm pretty sure. Should we? Should we? Uh, should we delay the podcast? There's more. I don't think so. I think we can do. We can do a podcast on just that yeah. Lakers. Make it just a shorter podcast. I think that'll be. Let's yeah. give a wild, no reason score prediction here for Lakers Nuggets. Let's go. One twenty six Nuggets. Um, one twenty one Lakers. And Ooh. Jokic and Murray will both have 35 plus points. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Prove me right. 
Prove, Prove me right. right, boys. Well, you were kind of right on the LeBron feel out game one. It's just yeah. the rest of the team dominated, so it yeah. didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake, what about you? What do you got predictions for the the upcoming game? I don't have any predictions, but I have a couple words for the media and social media. <laughs> Tom Brady is not washed. Oh God. The dude had a comeback game and his players dropped three touchdowns. He should have had five touchdowns that game. Stop saying he's washed. You do this every year. He's the best quarterback of all time. Knock it off. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I'm still man. loving I'm loving Cam in, in New England. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's been amazing. Good for him. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to point out their opponent, which is the Panthers with an injured McCaffrey and Teddy freaking Bridgewater at quarterback. So I don't know how much that really says about Tom's washedness. Or How'd not. the Eagles do yes, uh, yesterday? Oh, we're all god awful. You can pile on us. We suck. Like I'm, I'll fully admit that we're just right. hot garbage. Okay. Better than the Jets. Fly yeah. Eagles, fly straight to the dumpster. Like God, we suck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not going to give Tom Brady an ounce of credit because he's. I don't know. I hate Tom Brady, and I think that's fine. I think that's a valid position. I hate yeah. Tom Brady. Okay, Same. I'm with you. Thank you. Thank it you. was Tom Brady that was making me hate the Patriots. The Patriots. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, got to give him credit. He went through all that trouble to come to Tampa just to watch his receivers drop passes in a different uniform. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to have this great receiving core. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Mike Evans finally had a good game, and they didn't have yeah. Godwin, right? He was injured, so. Ah, true. All right, well, we'll end it there. Uh, final words, guys. Get a boo. Okay, get a boo from Jake. Better goo. Better goo, okay. <laughs> They're getting more inventive. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see you on Wednesday, and peace. <laughs>